Well, welcome back to Answering Religious Error on the special uh, Terry Benton birthday episode. <laughs> As we go through our study of Ecclesiastes, we are just about finished. We have uh, chapter 11 tonight entitled Clean Out Your Heart. And then, of course, next week will be our last study in this series. And then we've got some exciting things just around the corner for continued studies on our Tuesday program. We want to remind you, though, that... Uh, we have uh, the live Bible Q&A every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time. And if you are motivated to send in a question, if we say something tonight that might spark a question, send those questions in to questions at answeringreligiouserror.com. And we'll add those to the question and answer program on Wednesdays at noon. And of course, you can follow us on facebook.com as well as youtube.com and uh, put your comments in the sections on Answer Religious Error. If you put comments in the shared page, we might not be able to see them. Uh, so just so you know, if we don't answer or recognize what you're saying, um, the best way to reach us is questions at answeringreligiouserror.com. Also want to remind you that each weekday morning, you can listen to the Daily Answer podcast. Just go to your favorite podcast platform and beginning as early as 5 a.m. Eastern time, you can hear Dar uh, Mark Dunnigan, <laughs> Mark Dunnigan, as uh, he shares with you a bit about the Word of God, uh, ties it into his life and the things that he's experienced, and uh, you'll be very encouraged. I think this morning was about 141 episodes in. This man uh, has just really provided us with some great studies, and so uh, spend your time listening to Mark Dunnigan throughout the day. We also want to remind you that this program, as well as other Answer Religious Air programs, will air in a podcast platform as well. Uh, so after the original show airs, you can go back and listen to us once again. I do have one special announcement to make, though, in regard to our Tuesday night study. So you might be accustomed to listening to us at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, in two weeks, when we begin our new series, we're going to move the program to noon Eastern Time beginning April 4th. It'll still be on Tuesdays. It'll still run uh, you know, re through replay on uh, YouTube, as well as um, Facebook and the uh, podcast, of course, which means that, you know, if you're accustomed to listening to us in the evening, you can still do that. We just won't be live. But our live program will begin a new uh, time schedule uh, from this uh, point forward, uh, 12 noon Eastern time. So we'll remind you about that as time draws near. Go ahead and mark your calendars. Uh, just again, go to Facebook or YouTube and hit those bells so that you can receive the reminders of the program when it comes up. And hopefully the transition uh, won't be too difficult for our listening audience. Uh, we do realize that some of you are listening from um, across the planet uh, in other countries. And some of you have stayed up pretty late to watch us. And we do appreciate that. Uh, and we hope to not uh, uh, dig into your night owl schedule uh, too often. But if you can catch us at noon, which we hope will be easier for everyone, uh, we look forward to seeing you at that time. So remember, noon, April 1st, Answering Religious Air, and we'll begin a new series of studies at that time. And so uh, we want you to stay tuned after the show for an uh, announcement about some other programs that we have going on. But for tonight, uh, let's talk about Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Gentlemen, it's good to be with you all tonight. And uh, how's everyone doing? And uh, anything new we can share with each other aside from the fact that it's Terry's birthday? <laughs> yeah, we've heard enough about that. <laughs> well, the last day we just get right into the study. We can because... wait a whole other year. <laughs> well, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, we'll put Terry on the spot then, and we'll let him go ahead and get our minds focused on a um, uh, the godly aspect of why we're here. And so, uh, Terry, if you wouldn't mind, uh, word us uh, a word of prayer. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, we are so thankful for day-to-day -day life that you give us. Thank you for health, the ability to move and have our very being, because you control all things and you give us the very air that we breathe. We thank you for all the physical blessings of life. But more than that, we thank you for the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. The opportunity to call you our father, to have forgiveness of our sins. The spirit revealed words such as we are studying now. Pray that you will bless our minds and hearts with rich thoughts regarding your word 
and may we present them in an effective way. We pray that all who are listening will participate with their full heart and that they too will gain much from this study. Your blessings upon us all, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. And uh, Mark Dunnigan, you've done so much work for Answering Religious Air, and we appreciate all of the work that you do on Daily Answer. So uh, thank you for preparing for the questions for tonight. So we'll turn it over to you as you guide us through the study. Chris, great to be on the show tonight. Great to be with everybody else as well. Let's read a few passages and then let's jump right into our first question. And it's interesting how uh, books are tied together and how this first question, I think, goes back and picks up some things that are mentioned in some previous chapters. But it says, cast your bread on the surface of the waters for you will find it after many days. Divide your portion to seven and even to eight for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Some translations have evil there, but I think the idea is like misfortune or um, time and chance, chapter nine and verse 11. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth and whatever, whenever a tree falls towards the south or towards the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know the path of the wind or how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. I think that's important. You know, so many people see this as a very pessimistic book, but they miss where God comes into it a lot. And that's, for a believer, that's a very comforting passage. Providence, God is behind the scenes. God's involved. God's involved in this world. And for the believer, it's like, God has my back. God has my back. Um, if I'm an unbeliever, that should be a scary thought because it means that, um, well, eventually God's going to catch up to me and I'm going to have to answer. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will um will be good all right we got that first question chris and let's kind of bring that up and we'll kind of take a look at it here and we'll give one a moment what practical what practical advice about daily living are we giving in particularly the first six verses one of them that that i wanted to gentlemen as you're kind of collecting your thoughts that I wanted to uh, specifically talk about Chris was verse three. Um, you know, th th there's a quote, there's a quote from interesting. I'm quoting this individual, but from Will Smith and this quote from Will Smith is make a choice. You just decide what it's going to be, who you're going to be. You just decide. And then from that point, the universe is going to get out of your way. No, <laughs> no, it's not. In fact, in verse three, it says the tree's not going to get out of your way, not to mention the universe. But I think I think that's a very practical verse is that you don't control everything. Yeah, you decide. And that's a great thought. You have free will. You decide. But that does not mean that the universe is going to get out of your way. And that does not mean that you can do anything you want to do or that. The, the sky's the limit. Uh, time and chance happens to everyone. There are there there realist. There's a realistic view of the talents and abilities that you're given at birth, etc. Not all of us can be a quarterback in the NFL. That that's just not feasible or realistic. And I, I really kind of like that verse just to come to terms with the fact that there are that tree's going to fall where that tree's going to fall. And you really can't do anything about it. So there are certain things that you cannot control in life. But the good news for the believer is what's really important, what matters most, God is behind the scenes. And you do have, con you do have control over the things that affect your eternal destiny. You do have control over that. Uh, 13 and 14 of chapter 12. But gentlemen, gentlemen, what sort of observations do you see here? Just practical advice about life or daily living. The Solomon reel off in the first six verses. Well, I was thinking about um, 
casting your bread upon the waters for you will find it in many days. That sounds a whole lot to me like what Jesus says when he says, give and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down and running over. In other words, the, the spirit that we should have in this brief life under the sun is that we are givers. We are, uh, and, and it's not that we are um, overly selective about that either. We're just generous. I think that's the point is just be a generous person uh, because generosity has a way of coming back to you and it makes your life better and it makes other lives, lives better. And when I link that to um, the clouds of, of are full of rain, verse three, they empty themselves on the earth. They're just, they're not looking at, well, I'm going to just empty over here to these good people and I'm not going to rain on the bad people. I'm not going to give good things there. But Jesus says, God gives his rain, sunshine on the good and the, and the bad, the evil and the good. And so he says, God is not being selective about that. And the rain is not selective about who it hits and who it uh, replenishes and refreshes and uh, invigorates. And I think in, along that line, in the place where the tree falls, that may be just telling us, you know, you line yourself up to be a generous person or you won't. Because when you die, when you fall, your, your final fall is made. It's going to be positioned where, where it is. And did you, did you fall as a generous person or did you fall as a selfish and uh, stingy person because that's going to determine your final outcome what what you're doing when you die what you are when you die is what you'll be on the day of judgment and in uh, a person he says here that uh, he observes the wind and he's just kind of before he's generous before he does anything before he uh, exerts any effort toward uh, sowing his seed so that he'd have things to, to give. If he's testing the wind all the time and before he does anything, then he's not going to get much done. And he needs to be generous all the time as much as possible. Because once you die, that's it. You're not going to be able to change it once, once you die. Once you fall in the direction of stinginess, that's where you land in the day, in the day of judgment. And he who regards the clouds, he says, I don't think I'm going to sow today. It looks like it's going to be a rainy day. And he just, he uses every excuse he can find not to be generous and not to do what he needs to do. Well, if that's the way you're lining up your heart, that's the way you're going to fall and your final judgment is going to come down to what you made yourself. Were you a generous person? Those are thoughts that I had on that passage. You know, Terry, that's good. I, I like the idea of how verse one, cast your bread upon many waters, is a direct contrast to Solomon's life in chapter two, which is he built for himself, for himself, for himself, uh, gathering and collecting. And what a great contrast. Mark Gibson, you got any thoughts? Well, as Terry was talking there about generosity, I also thought about verse two, right along with verse one, give a serving to seven and also to eight. And that's a, a common thing you see in scripture where it'll give one number and then increase it again. Uh, sort of an emphasis type of thing. You see it in Amos where for three uh, for three iniquities, yea, four, uh, six things God hates, yea, seven are abomination. Uh, and you see it here again. The idea of generosity, you, you give unto seven, and seven was a perfect number in the Hebrew culture. Uh, but you know, be ready for more. Uh, there's going to be others. Uh, be willing to give. Uh, what we might say, go the extra mile. Uh, don't begrudge. Don't be stingy. So uh, give unto the seven and expect to give more. Uh, and he mentions that uh, there in the latter part of that, you do not know what evil, uh, and you mentioned, Mark, about misfortune. That's the same word that we'll see later in chapter 12 and verse 1, the difficult or misfortune, day, difficult days. 
Um, because, and as Terry was pointing out also goes right along with this, that what you do for others will come back to you. Uh, you, you be generous to the seven and to the eight. And when times get tough, they will certainly be there to help you because you were generous to them. So uh, I wanted to add that thought. And, and one other thing there in verse, in verses five and six, three times it is mentioned there, the phrase you do not know. It emphasizes the ignorance uh, that we live with in this world, especially as it uh, deals with the future. And with that, the activity of God, uh, it mentions there in verse five, you do not know the way of the wind. I think that's probably better translated spirit. It fits the context better. Wind uh, wind and spirit are translated from the same word ruach in the Hebrew language, just like in the Greek pneuma is both wind and spirit. Um, but here it speaks of that which is in the womb, how the bones grow in the womb of hers with child. So both the physical and the spiritual aspect of what God does with a, bringing a new life into this world. Amazing. We don't have a whole lot to do with it. God does the hard lifting there, and we just are amazed at it. Uh, he goes on to say there in the uh, latter part, you do not know the works of God who makes all things. That really is a statement of the fact that God continues to do his work beyond what we're able to see in a matter of divine providence. God does what he does, and we don't. there's no way that we can know all of that or know all the inner workings of that. And then verse 6, uh, and I think the next question will deal with some of this, but he says, you do not know which will prosper, the idea of the morning and the evening. Again, you don't know the future. You don't know how all things will work out, but yet don't be set back because of our ignorance of what may be in the future and do nothing. And I found a quote that I think I'll share here out of a commentary on Ecclesiastes. This writer said, the life of faith does not remove the problem of our ignorance. Rather, it enables us to live with it. Faith flourishes in the mystery of providence. It does not abolish it. So even though we don't know all of what's happening in the realm of God, yet it strengthens our faith knowing that God is working. Mark, those are great comments. I like the idea of that. You know, the window can close at any time. Also, do not be paralyzed in the inaction. Don't be constantly watching the clouds, but move. Uh, take advantage of the moment you have. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Because there's like no guarantee. There's no guarantee. Bob, you got some thoughts. Yes, I believe it was Homer Haley years ago that planted the thought in my mind that maybe uh, Solomon is talking here about diversification. Uh, there's financial diversification. You diversify your financial portfolio. Uh, you, you're getting prepared for the future. There are a number of ways you could do. If you put all your money in one stock and it fails, then you don't have anything to show for it. But if you diversify your portfolio, then surely something is going to pay off. But we can say the same thing with our spiritual efforts too. Don't put all our ass, uh, eggs in one basket. Uh, do as much spiritual labor as we can with as many people as we can. And it may be certainly not all of them, generally not all of them will become Christians, but some of them may. And some of them may not only become Christians, but uh, do a great deal of work. I read years ago in C.R. Nichols biography that uh, I believe it's C.R. Nichols that went forward during a gospel meeting. He was the only one that was baptized during that gospel meeting. But he grew up and became a preacher and converted thousands uh, through his through his work. And so uh, he diversified. Now, I'm sure the preacher who preached that gospel meeting was doing the same thing. But the seed certainly fell in a, in a good and honest heart with C.R. Nickel. And, and he put it to he put it to use. And and so I think we all need to diversify our spiritual, our spiritual efforts. Again, uh, give a serving to seven, a serving of spiritual nourishment, not just physical nourishment. For you do not know what evil will be on the earth. You don't know what this person is going to face. 
uh, and we need to give him something that might help him uh, face temptation uh, or face adversity uh, in the future. And, uh, and so we need to, we need to do that. And I like you called attention to this too, Mark in verse four, he who observes the wind will not sow and he who regards the clouds will not reap. We don't need to be looking for excuses. This is kind of like the, the fellow whose uh, roof would leak in the rain and his wife was nagging him to fix the roof. And he says, well, it's not raining today. And she said, well, that's the time to fix it. He said, why? It's not raining. <laughs> but when it leaked, it was raining. And so he didn't want to go out in the rain and fix it. And so uh, that's a fellow just looking for an excuse not to do anything. And I think it's too easy for us to do that in spiritual matters as well. But I don't like getting the door slammed in my face. Uh, going door to door never pays off, never does any good. Well, we don't know. We don't know what's going to pay off as far as our spiritual labors are concerned. And so we don't know what works God is going to do in general, nor do we know what works God is going to do in a person's heart. And we've got, our job is to plant the seed. It is their part to uh, water it, nourish it, and then God will give the increase. We don't have to worry about that. And so uh, we need to quit finding trying to find excuses for not doing the work God has given us to do. Bob, good comments. Um, you know, there's just some, it reminds me that of where Jesus talked about that the person that uh, saves his life will lose it, but the person who loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. And also 1 Corinthians 15, 58, just to know that your, your labor, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We, we will always be rewarded. We may not be rewarded in the areas that we put in the most work. That is, there may be individuals that we really put a lot of work into that may never grow or convert. But as a believer, you will be rewarded. But sometimes you're just not always rewarded in the area where maybe you put your most effort. Chris, any thoughts before we get to that next question? Well, I think it's been pretty well covered, uh, but I will just go ahead and share kind of a theme that I saw throughout this entire chapter. And I actually had reserved this for one of the last questions, but looking back over the first one, I see a parallel to Joseph. Um, I see a parallel to the preparation uh, that he made. And so many events took place during that time where his brother sold him into slavery. He, of course, rose to the ranks eventually. Uh, being second in command of Pharaoh and saving a nation, uh, preserving God's people. And in that, what I see is that what he said to his brothers is that you meant the things that you did for to me, you meant them for harm, but God meant them for good. And so it's kind of like he's saying, Look, I didn't know God's plan. You didn't know God's plan, but, but God knows God's plan. And we need to trust in that because as we'll see throughout the course of this lesson, there's an amount of preparation that needs to be made now for what tomorrow will bring. It's not about worrying about tomorrow as Jesus uh, rebukes, but it is about uh, preparing for what comes next. And what we have to prepare for now is our eternal soul. But, you know, when you look at what we, the responsibilities we have in this life, uh, as has already been indicated in some examples tonight, we don't want to, you know, get caught in the rain, you might say. We don't want to be, as Proverbs 26 and 13 says, as the sluggard who says, well, there's a lion in the streets. You know, <laughs> there's always something. And uh, sometimes they're figments of our imagination. Sometimes we tell ourselves the worst is going to happen. But if you prepare for the worst, you know, then, you know, you can you can fight against it. I've got to got to make a house insurance payment this week, you know, the yearly payment. And I'm going to sit down Thursday with the insurance guy and and I'm going to talk about the roof. I'm going to talk about flood damage. I'm going to talk about things that I know that if these are covered, well, come what may. If they come, it'll be fine. It'll get taken care of because I'm getting insurance. And that's what we need to be doing with our soul. Chris, great thoughts. Let's get that next question up there. Uh, and as we come to that next question, just one thing kind of uh 
you know, the, the thought that uh, you don't know God's work, I think, is for the believer, God is working behind the scenes. God is active in this world. Uh, it, it's not all on you. And it's and that's why I think it's good to study books like the book of Esther, etc., that are such faith building books of what God can do, of what God can do without working a single miracle, without violating anyone's free will but what God can do behind the scenes. And so that might play into a little bit to this question, then we'll move on to the next one. Any reason why we're warned against being idle in the evening? And that's for six. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. Gentlemen, any thoughts on that question? I think it's just an extension. It looks to me like of what he's just been saying that uh, just be industrious and look out for ways to, uh, to be industrious and, it, and don't cut off your opportunities. If it happens to be in the evening. Uh, so instead of just saying, well, I'm going to work this amount of time, this, and I'm going to do good in this amount of time during the day. But you know, from six o'clock on, that's, that's my time. That's my time. And I, it's all about me from here on out. So I, I, that's, that was what I was thinking that uh, he might be alluding to here. It's just be looking for ways to give, to be generous, to do good. And don't, don't limit it. And don't look for an excuse like, well, the wind's blowing or the rain is raining now. Or the time that I was going to do good, that's run out now. Uh, I think I think there's a lot to be said for when the opportunity is before you take advantage of it, even if it's at in the evening time. Those are my thoughts. Terry, that's a great thought there. You know, it is easy. It is easy to say, well, I, I already did that in the morning. I, I did my good work. I, I, I try to talk to someone about the Bible and the rest of the day is mine. And maybe there's a thought, Terry, here of the idea of we give up too easily. We, we, we chip at something a little bit, but we don't, we don't push. We don't push more. We don't put, push further. We don't ask that additional question. And, and also, could it be that um, we, need to, we need to be very flexible in our schedule that opportunities to do good do not always show up on what we think is an opportune time or are on our particular timetable. It just, I mean, I've seen many situations like that of what looked like, well, nothing's been working all day. Kind of like Peter fishing all night. You know, we spent all night fishing. We didn't catch anything. Well, go out again, go out again to the deep water. Mark Gibson, what do you got? Well, again, that's, it's the third time there in those in verses five and six, where he says, you do not know. Again, we make a lot of assumptions Terry and you were both noting that we make assumptions that it's better to work here or this time and not this time. Fact is, God's natural order is going to continue. It's going to go by and we can't just say, well, I think it would be better to work, to teach, uh, to sow the seed at this point rather than this point. Because he says, you don't know what will come of that. Just do your work. Uh, keep busy. Uh, look for the opportunities, and I'm and again I'm repeating what Terry had said. Um, don't and it literally means don't withhold your hand. The idea of the sower, the sower sowed with his hand. Don't then put your hand down and say, well, it's we it won't do any good now. How do you know that? Well, you don't. You're just assuming that. And think of how many opportunities you've missed. So I, I agree with what's been said. Great thought, Mark, because I think some of us, if we would look back upon the people that we had a hand in converting, a number of them looked incredibly unpromising at the first encounter where we almost went like, is anything? And, and pe people that met me may have thought the same thing, like, I don't know. I don't know if anything's going to ever come of this particular person. Bob, what do you got? Well, you know, something we generally expect of elders and preachers, but I think we ought to expect it of, of one another, Christians in general. Elders and preachers always on call. They've got to be there. Uh, eldership, it's not a 40-hour work week. 
preacher, it's not a 40-hour work week. I know some people think, well, preachers only work three hours a week or whatever. Uh, but elders, the preachers, they need to be ready to deal with problems that come up that, that the other members bring to them. But not just them. We all need to be ready because we don't know when our, our brother or our sister is going to uh, come to us and uh, pour out their heart and soul to us and, and weepingly ask for our help. And we need, we need to be there uh, for one another. We need to intercede for one another. Uh, we need to do whatever we can to relieve the afflicted, even if it means getting out of bed at midnight or, or 2 a.m. even. And uh, I, I know this is going to sound like I'm bragging, but I'm just telling you uh, what happened to me is if I call me up one early morning at 2 a.m. is that his daughter and her boyfriend were traveling back to Florida College and their car broke down just a little north of here. And, and could I, uh, he hated to ask, but could I go and, and help them out? And I did. I went and I got them and brought them back to my house and, and they slept uh, in, my, in my house. And then the next day we went back up there and I helped them get the things. And, and I know that sounds like I'm bragging, but my point is, yes, preachers, okay, yeah, you preachers need to do that. But Christians need to be ready to do that, whether they're elders or preachers or not. We just need to be there. Bob, great, great thoughts. Uh, you know, we, we would expect our dentist to have a 24-hour line, right? Man, your tooth is certain you need to help now. And our doctor, we would expect medical care, and yet we're involved in even far more important work than that with the salvation of souls. Chris, as we throw up our next question, do you have any comments on this particular verse? You're muted. Muted. <laughs> yeah. I'm that guy today. <laughs> um, one of our viewers uh, posted 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 6 and following. Uh, I don't know how many verses... Uh, uh, they intended, but uh, there's only, you know, 15 in it. But I, I just read a couple here just to kind of set the tone. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity for God loves a, a cheerful giver. It kind of, and, and then it goes on to talk about how God, you know, makes all grace abound toward us and having sufficiency in all things. Getting back to something that we mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, spreading upon the waters and it returning to us. Um, with that in mind, I think about what Bob just said about, you know, these these deeds that we are sometimes put into positions to do. Um, like you pointed out, Bob, I don't think you would do something like that just because you're a preacher. You're a Christian and a good man and want to help someone in need. And uh, and that's just what we do as Christians, um, you know, because we love one another. We, yes, we love the gospel, um, but we do make ourselves available uh, for anyone that would call upon us uh, to take care of, especially spiritual needs. I, I baptized a guy at one o'clock in the morning one time, you know, and it just it, when, when it hits you, it hits you, you know. And uh, we need to be prepared and ready uh, to, to answer the call, uh, you might say, uh, as well. But in regard to these things, um, you know, it, it's there's no it, there's there's the cliche terms. You know, there's no better time than the present. Uh, never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. And uh, everybody in the world understands those principles. People in business, successful people and whatnot. We especially need to understand that we are very pressed for time in regard to doing God's will. We preach with desperation because we don't know when the Lord will return. And uh, therefore, we want people to get right and get right now. Uh, it's easy to say, okay, we'll, we'll come back to this and, and we'll talk about your spiritual you know, needs another time. Well, another time turns into another time and then months pass. And if the Lord hasn't come by that time, you wonder when somebody going to address these problems kind of reminds me when I was a kid, I had this poster Garfield, the cat. I don't know if y'all remember him, but he was known as being a lazy cat and uh, fat and lazy is all he was. And 
<laughs> the tagline on the poster said, never put off until tomorrow what you can do the day after. <laughs> and if that's the attitude that you have in life, the day after is never going to come. Uh, and one day, as we often like to say, it'll be too late and we need to make things right with God. You mentioned the next question there, Mark, and I'll go ahead and put that up for you. And so let's read the rest of the chapter and let's get into that next question. Verse seven, light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. Let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. And I think that goes right into chapter 12, verse one, to remember your creator in the days of your youth. So we're told, we're told here to rejoice, to rejoice in all of them in our days. Um, and yet we know the days of darkness will be many. And I, I think it's important there. I like the days of darkness you can create days of darkness by sin and foolishness. And I don't think that's what Solomon necessarily here is talking about, like where you're shooting yourself in your own foot. I think the days of misfortune, the days of calamity in the next chapter, it's going to include the aches and pains of old age, etc. And there's going to be a number of days like that. So how, how do we keep the troubles of the future since we know days of darkness are coming how do we keep that from spoiling or preventing us right now from rejoicing in every day of our life? And part of that would be even rejoicing during or finding something to rejoice in during the days of darkness. What do you have, gentlemen? I usually think of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul uh, talks about the fact that he, we have this treasure inside. We have this treasure in earthen vessels and it gives an excellent power to deal with things in his life. He doesn't ignore the fact that, yeah, there are bad days when we are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Why aren't you crushed, Paul? Well, because you see, I've got this treasure inside this treasure that is brought to me by the grace of Jesus Christ. That treasure helps us when we're hard pressed, when we have those dark days, but it, it doesn't crush us. It doesn't destroy us because we've got something that helps temper those moments. And that's what he means is to rejoice. You've got this to rejoice about, and that tempers the, um, the bad things that are happening to you so that those things are not as bad as they could be. Uh, and he goes on to talk about uh, persecuted. That's a bad moment. But he says, but not forsaken. As I always, I've got this treasure that reminds me that Jesus suffered for me and I'm going to suffer for him. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm not uh, abandoned in this. Somebody very, very special is with me in this trial. So he's not, um, he's not forsaken, struck down. Yeah, but, but I'm not destroyed. Why is it? Why is that, Paul? Because I've got this treasure. Just remember the treasure you have in Christ Jesus. And that seems to me to put some rejoicing in the midst of these difficult moments and helps us to, and helps temper the response that we would otherwise give to those things. So I think you can rejoice. It may not be full out laughter, uh, but you've got something that is regulating the bad things that are happening to you uh, so that the rejoicing comes back to the surface again. It may be like a fisherman's bobble. It goes under for a little bit, but it's still there and it's going to come right back up to the surface. If you have the treasure that he's talking about in your heart, in your soul, those are my thoughts. 
Kerry, great thoughts. Uh, you know, I think from uh, an eternal perspective, the days of darkness are limited. They're only for this lifetime, and that's short. And we have just such an incredible reward coming. And chap chapter 7 of the same book also tells us that in those days to consider, you know, to ponder that those are learning moments. Mark Gibson, what do you got? Sometimes chapter breaks can hinder our understanding of the structure of a book, and this is one of those places. Um, they do chapters to even out uh, the material, but really these verses, verse 7, begins the final section of the book. It really goes from 11.7 through 12.8 is the final section, and you mentioned some of those connections, Mark, already there. Uh, and he is wrapping up really his thoughts, bringing it to a conclusion as to what life is all about that he'll get to in the last couple verses of the book itself. Uh, his point is that, look, life has its changes. There's a lot of things we can't control. We just need to accept it and live life enjoying it. And he's made that point over and over that a life that vertically looks to God is a life that can be enjoyed. It is sweet. It is wonderful. But there are uh, difficult days to come. Um, what are these days of darkness? I'll take a little bit different path here, Mark, from what you mentioned. It could be also, speaking of death itself, uh, chapter 6 of Ecclesiastes, verse 4, talks about the soul uh, going into darkness, and it has reference to death there, Job mentioned about going to the land of darkness when he spoke of death. Um, and of course, Jesus even talked about in John 9 about uh, there is a night in which no man can work. <clears throat> and so uh, whether it's speaking here of uh, just uh, the afflictions and sufferings that will come in the, our days, and especially with age, as he'll talk about the evil days, the difficult days, or when he talk, or if he's even looking for, for more forward to the fact that enjoy life while you have it because it's a thin thread. It can end at any moment. Uh, you don't have to be as ancient as Terry is. You don't have to be as young as I am. You, it doesn't matter. Uh, death does not uh, discriminate. Uh, uh, the young die too. Uh, there's many unpredictable things in life, accidents, disease, and matters. And we would hope that all would live to a ripe old age. Uh, but in a, in a world of sin and sorrow, that's not always the case, many times not the case. And so we need to appreciate each day that we have, understand the sweetness of the blessings of God that we enjoy, and to... Uh, and to know that um, dark days are coming of, of, of difficulty and death. But right now is when we prepare for that and we'll be all right. My apologies, Terry, to you. I mean, not to make fun of you. Happy birthday. Mm -hmm. to you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, you know, I, I like the idea of, well, first of all, it's, it's very true. It's very realistic. Um, he doesn't sugarcoat it. There's going to be many days of darkness. And, and it's, it can also include the people that you love that fall away, the people that you love that get cancer and die, uh, the ups and downs of life, you know, uh, time and chance catching up to you, things like that. There's a lot of that there too. I, I do like what you said, Mark, is that actually as a believer, you're prepared for this. You, you are prepared for the days of darkness. And even in this chapter, I think there's the thought, and God has your back. And not only that, but I think a little bit later in our next question, you guys, in verse 10, and, and in the chapter 12, he will probably tell us like, and here's the steps that you can, when you're young, here's what you can do to, you need, when you're young, you need to start making preparations to strengthen yourself to handle the days of darkness. Uh, I really like what someone said. One of your goals in life should be that at your father's funeral, people come to you for comfort. That should be one of your goals as a man. Bob, what do you got? I was thinking along the lines of, uh, of Mark there that uh, 
I thought about the same passage he brought up where Jesus says, uh, uh, work while it is day for the night cometh and no man can work in that passage. It seems like he is talking about night being a period of death. Our life is over. Uh, we've either done what we could or we haven't. We've either been faithful to God or we haven't. And then that brought my to my mind Revelation chapter 14, verses, uh, verse 13. John writes, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Our day or our life should be so filled with labor, labor for the Lord, spiritual labor, that whatever, whatever, however few or many people are converted with our help. And, and I, I appreciate the way you put it uh, earlier, Mark, that uh, we, you didn't say this, but it implied that we don't convert anybody, but we can be instrumental in their conversion. And we don't always know. Uh, I have studied with people that I lost track of, especially in the Marines, uh, before they obeyed the gospel. And I often wonder, uh, did they go off somewhere and, and forget, you know, the things that I had taught them? And, uh, well, one fellow, he had been baptized, but he didn't have a great period of, of spiritual growth before he uh, got orders to go to, I think, Washington, D.C. or uh, just outside there, uh, Annandale, West Virginia, I believe it was. And so, you know, we don't always know whether our labor with a particular person paid off or not. Well, it did pay off. It paid off for us. They may never become a Christian, but it's hard to think that we didn't impact them in some way if they were at the very least receptive. And it's certainly going to impact us. And I think too often we look at, think about the door being slammed in our face and things like that. And I'll be too discouraged. And no, you can always contemplate the fact, well, I, I did what I could for that individual. And uh, did I do everything I could? Maybe not. Uh, we can probably never know that for sure. But uh, I spent some time with that individual. I tried to teach that individual. I was an encouragement to that individual. And yeah, we don't know whether that paid off in his life or not, but it'll pay off in our life and our works will follow us. Chris, we've got one question left, which I think is a pretty important question. If you had any comments on that last question, and then we'll Okay. Toss up that that question there. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would add, there a lot of stories came to my mind as Bob was talking about some examples I've seen, but I'll save that for another time. But I, I guess it just reminds me that a bad day doesn't mean that you have a bad life. And especially if you're trying to live your life for God. You know, some of our greatest examples through Scripture suffered some very bad days. And I mentioned Joseph earlier in as a theme uh, that I was thinking about through the course of this lesson because... You know, here's a guy that didn't let the darkness in his life define his life, define who he was. In fact, he he learned that all these things were according to God's will. And that's that's what we're encouraged to do in life. If it be God's will, we shall do this or that. That's that needs to be our mantra. And um, what he did was he made preparations during the good days for when the bad days would come. And of course, you, you know what I'm talking about. He goes to Pharaoh and says, well, your, your dreams have indicated that there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. So here's what you do. During that seven years, you prepare and, uh, and, and you gather uh, during seven years of plenty in preparation for the seven years of famine. And what that did was it saved the world. It saved a nation. It created the nation of God. And what God was doing during this time was preserving for himself a people that led us to Jesus Christ. And uh, we have Christ today as a result of those things of the past. A lot of quote unquote bad stories 
that God used for good. So when you're having a bad day, it doesn't mean that you're having a bad life. And what it means is you need to look for, I know it sounds cliche, but you need to look for the positives and what's happening and knowing that this is not how it's going to end. Next question. Last question. Yeah. In giving advice to young people, what are attitudes that can ruin their youth and the rest of their lives and what must be removed? It's interesting what the Holy Spirit here says. Of course, in verse nine, he's, he's telling young people to rejoice and to follow the, um, the impulses of your heart, desires of your eyes. But it, it, we need to be very careful in verse nine. He's not telling them to go off and do anything they want in reference to like evil. He's not saying, well, go off and sin, but God's going to send you to hell. He's not saying that. He's talking about wholesome, legitimate desires and impulses, which there are. There are many wholesome things that you're allowed to do in life. There are many good things that you're allowed to do in life. But then he says in verse 10, and it's interesting what the Holy Spirit chose there, Chris. He said, remove grief, anger from your heart. And then he talked about pain from your body. And again, that pain from your body, I'm, I'm, he's not saying avoid hard work. You know, because that can be pain from the body. He's not saying like, well, don't exercise and, you know, like a diet can be painful. But I think in that verse, he's talking about what I would consider unnecessary pain or foolish things, foolish things that can, well, that can age you prematurely or foolish things that can, well, like a venereal disease or foolish things that like sinful behavior that has an impact upon your body seems to be the idea there but it's just interesting we have grief anger pain um and it's and then it's this it closes with because life is too short it's just way too short to spend time in that and i guess in that grief and etc anger i would i think some synonyms could be bitterness resentment maybe ingratitude gentlemen what else do you have I was thinking of stewardship is probably the focus of this is that you, you, you got your one life. You just got to be a good steward with it. Uh, walk in the ways of your heart. That is do things that you enjoy doing. Make sure though, that you understand in the back of that, God is going to bring you into judgment. So you're going to give an account before God. So make good choices. Don't make foolish choices. Uh, and let the ways of your heart be guided with that, that realization. Hey, I'm headed for judgment for God's judgment is going to be just. And I've got to make sure that I'm living according to that. Uh, as far as the removing sorrow from your heart, get out of the way things that make you sad and miserable that are unnecessary. I mean, you don't have to dwell on every negative thing that you experience and and let that consume your, your, your happiness. And what about uh, your body? We'll take care of it. Do, do uh, things that will take away the, the most uh, physical um, anguish or pain from that, from your body. Uh, don't, don't abuse it. Don't hurt it. Don't injure it. Uh, don't do things that are liable to make it uh, hard on you bodily. So take care of your body. That's a stewardship too. Take care of your body. Bodily exercise does profit, uh, Paul told Timothy, a, a little bit at least, but exercise yourself unto godliness, and that'll give you the best of what is right now and what is ahead. So uh, put away all of the things, all the negatives, and cherish the moments of your, uh, of your childhood. They're, they're, they're fleeting, uh, and they're going to be passing you by in, the, in a hurry but use them wisely. Be a good steward of that and you'll enjoy the brief life that you have. And you will also be ready to face God in the day of judgment. Those are my thoughts. You know, what an encouraging section because it's like you have control in this area. You don't have to end up a bitter person. You don't have to end up an angry person. Mark Gibson. Yeah. Last part of that. Ver, last verse there, childhood and youth are vanity. That's not in the sense of being useless, but rather it's transitory. It's short. 
it's so sad sometimes to see these uh, once child actors when they're adults say that I never had a childhood. They were put to work so young and they never knew what it was to really go to school like other kids and and play games like other kids because they were so involved in an adult world. Um, it is short. It's It goes quickly. Uh, the youth and vigor that we have wanes. Um, and I and I think about especially the removing the sorrow. There are the three R's here. I call it rejoice, remove, and, and remember. And uh, that th second one there to remove sorrow. We look at the world around us. We see a lot of angry young people. People who are spending their young years either being pushed out front by adults to represent uh, political activism or idealism and all that. And they use the children to try to get to the emotions of people. And I just, uh, I just see that that, and, and then there's the idealism of youth to think we can change the world. We can change everything that's wrong. And we haven't even figured out what's right and wrong yet. Uh, and, and they're out there uh, yelling and screaming and protesting and sometimes burning, looting, killing. And if they're not doing that, they're on spring break, getting drunk, uh, uh, fighting, committing fornication, even killing, as we've seen here recently. Uh, and what is that going to reap? Well, the wild oats, we know what that, uh, we sow to the wild oats, we know that there's going to be a very difficult harvest to come. But a lot of young years are wasted uh, getting involved in things that, uh, they're not enjoying just simple childhood things and how sad that is. What do you got, Bob? Well, you know, when you think about it, youth is kind of relative. All of you guys are youth compared to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are others who are so old that I'm, they consider me a youth. And so really, I think right up until the day we die, we probably should consider ourselves among among those and i made to think of first timothy chapter 6 verses 17 through uh through 19 where paul told timothy command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty arrogant nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living god who gives us richly all things to enjoy god wants us to enjoy things and he gives us things so that we can enjoy them that does not mean to consume them upon our lust because James said, you have not because you ask not and you ask and don't have because you ask in vain that you might consume it upon your lust. And so what kind of enjoyment? He's talking about spiritual enjoyment here. And he goes on to say, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. And so uh, we, we all have a certain amount of vigor. And while we have some vigor, we need to be busy. Uh, we need to be doing what we can for others. If, if we've got uh, more material, and, and most of us probably do have more material wealth than a lot of people that we know. And I'm not saying that we have to go out and throw money on the street uh, or anything like that, but we need to be ready to help people with what we have. And uh, and I think that goes all the way back up to chapter uh, 11, verse, verse 1. Spread your, uh, whatever it was, uh, yes, spread, spread, it. spread upon the waters. Yeah, yeah. diversify. We need to diversify our efforts, do what we can, while we can because the time may come when we just are not able to do much of anything and then of course comes death when our works will follow us whether they be good or bad and we'll be judged according to those works good thoughts bob you know it's just the importance of keeping your heart clean that should be a great lesson to young people today keep your heart clean or you're going to have a miserable life um Keep your heart clean or you'll end up bitter. Keep your heart clean. Chris, any final observations on this last question? Well, I can't help but think about Paul and his admonitions to Timothy and reminding him 
to overcome because there are many false teachers. There's imposters, as he says, out in the world. Uh, as Mark had indicated a few moments ago, there are children being, you know, groomed for you know adulthood type things, and they're ruining their childhood because they want to grow up so fast. Uh, but for what purpose? To what end? And then, as we all pretty much experience as we get older, we kind of wish we could relive some of that childhood again. But Paul said, you know, when I became a man, I put away childish things. And he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then, of course, famously, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And there you you're, there you see a, a, a young man uh, grown into a, uh, an adult uh, who, because of the experience and teaching of his mother, his grandmother, those important to him in his life, taught him the word of God. He says in those previous verses that we didn't read, you have carefully followed my example. And so Paul had a great confidence in um, in Timothy. One of the things that you have to understand as as a child or whoever, the, the choices that you make right now will impact the things that happen later in life. I taught in the jails for 15, 16 years. And in that, you see a lot of young people making mistakes that follow them into their adulthood and that they get themselves addicted. They get themselves in bad habits. They get themselves around the wrong friends and that sticks with them the rest of their lives. And they struggle and have such great difficulty making changes, even when in their minds, they feel that they honestly want to seek the Lord. Like Bob was saying earlier, there are people that we convert that sometimes we never hear from again. We don't know what happens to them. Ba baptized a lot of inmates and uh, a few, you know, were successful. Uh, many, we don't know. We just don't know. And so you can only hope and that they can go on like the eunuch and rejoice that they are in the Lord. But uh, giving advice to young people, uh, if you don't cast away, I've kind of defined sorrow in some ways as, you know, the attitudes that young people sometimes have. I'll be honest, because uh, I did it too. You know, there's a lot of whining, a lot of complaining. <laughs> there's entitlement, there's selfishness, um, there's anger, as was already mentioned. And these are the qualities that hopefully as good Christian parents, you're telling your children, we don't do this. You know, we don't treat one another like this and we shouldn't behave like this in the world. And so the consequences will ruin your adulthood and all that you wanted to grow up so fast for. Grow up in the Lord. That's the admonition here. Grow up in the Lord. You'll answer to God someday. And if you're not willing to answer to the things of this life, then you're probably not going to have the respect to answer to God. Well, we're about out of time here, a little over time. It's been good being with you all this evening. Any last thoughts before we close our program tonight? Well, we've got one left, huh, Chris? Chapter yeah, 12. The big one. Next week, we've got the <laughs> big one left. Chapter 12 brings it all together, doesn't it? <laughs> so we appreciate all the, uh, all the people tuning in. We appreciate the people that have been through this study. Our, uh, our prayers are with you out there. And that uh, you would have fruitful labor and you'd be the best example of a Christian uh, that you can be. Great to be on the show tonight, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you all for being with us tonight. We want to remind you that uh, we are going to be here tomorrow at noon for live Bible Q&A. We've already been asked some questions. And, and uh, though these studies on Tuesdays are for a very specific purpose, uh, we do appreciate you sending a question in to questions at answeringreligiousera.com. We'll add that to the lineup. We may get to it in one program. It may take a couple of programs. We get a lot of good, good questions. But if you'd like to be a part of that study, uh, tune in tomorrow at noon Eastern Standard Time for the live Bible Q&A. And I'll remind you again that you can start every day by listening to the Daily Answer podcast. And uh, you can hear Mark Dunnigan and bring us lessons at beginning as early as 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can also hear these programs in a podcast platform uh, shortly after it airs. We also want to remind you that beginning in two weeks, as we begin a new study on our Tuesday lessons, 
we're going to move the time to 12 Eastern Standard Time. We hope that works well for the viewers. Uh, we do have many that are overseas in various places. And as was already pointed out, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for sticking with us and being regular members uh, or regular viewers of Answering Religious Error. And we look forward to seeing your presence each week. We like the comments made. You know, so-and-so is watching. Maybe tell us where you're from. And uh, that, that motivates us. That encourages us. And then, of course, remember that if you're accustomed to listening on Tuesday nights, you can still watch the replay at any time on Facebook and YouTube. So we want to remind you as well, uh, Brother Bob Myham was with us tonight. He has his own program on Monday evenings at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, he's currently talking about identifying marks of the Christian. And um, we encourage you to tune to him on Facebook and YouTube. On Thursday evenings, it's the Older Women Likewise program. And it is a lesson for women by women. If you are a woman of faith or seeking faith, uh, please tune in to these women and you'll gain some great perspective uh, from godly women. So there's almost something for every day of the week. And uh, we might add some programs in the future. We hope so. As uh, we build Answering Religious Error uh, for your encouragement, for your growth, and for your understanding. We thank you so much for tuning in with us tonight. Hope to see you tomorrow for the live Bible Q&A. Till next time, may God bless you in your search for the truth. And we'll see you on Answering Religious Error.